Well, hello there. Welcome to New Life. We are so glad that you are joining us this weekend for online worship. And I don't know if you're aware, but this weekend is Memorial Day weekend. And like so many, I wish that I was going to a picnic in the next couple of days. But sadly, that may not be the case. However, we would like to take a moment today and just to say thank you for so many who have made an ultimate sacrifice during this time. We thank those who have served in a variety of capacity, but also we memorialize, we remember those who have made the ultimate sacrifice. And typically, if we were here in person, we would acknowledge that in some other form or fashion. We cannot do that today other than to extend our thanks. So thank you so much, and thank you to those who have made that ultimate sacrifice for which we are able to experience true freedom, and I just thank you for that. We are wrapping up a series here called Experiencing New Life. We're in the seventh week of that, and if you've been with us really throughout the past year, you'll know that we're in this annual series called Experiencing God Unreserved. Now, experiencing new life, we've said repeatedly, has a couple of meanings, two in particular. The first is we want each of us to understand what it's like to have new life through Jesus Christ. Because as Jesus comes into our lives, he changes us, he transforms us, he renews us, and he leads us into an entirely new life. The second meaning is about new life Christian ministries, the family that we're all a part of here. Because what we've done is we've gone through our seven core values. We've gone through six. We're going through the seventh tonight. And we're doing that because we want each of us to understand what those values are, why we pick them, and ultimately to kind of look inside of ourselves and go, are we living those out in our day today? Now, if you can remember back seven weeks, which was a long time ago, uh, but Pastor Chris seven weeks ago kicked off our series with we follow Jesus, which is our first core value. Now, it's our first core value because we believe that our relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship we have. It is the foundation of our faith. As Jesus comes into our life, as we accept him as our Savior and Lord, that foundation is formed, and as the relationship continues, we look different. We live a new life. Through the Holy Spirit, we're changed, we're renewed, and none of what follows, none of what follows in any of our core values is possible without first acknowledging that relationship with Jesus Christ. So we follow him. Now, we've progressed through the other core values, and we're going to hit the seventh one tonight. But just for the fact of uh, review, we're going to look at the previous six. So the first I already mentioned, we follow Jesus. The second, we love each other. The third, we care for the lost. The fourth, we engage in worship. The fifth, we trust the Bible. The sixth, <clears throat> excuse me, is we live in the Spirit. And today, we get to talk about the seventh, we live generously. Now, if I'm honest, I am really thankful that we cover, we give generously. Give, live, I actually say live a lot because I think generosity is a lifestyle. So if I screw that up throughout, you just know that that's my bent. I think that we live generously. But our core value says we give generously. And I'm thankful that this follows on the heels of our sixth core value, we live in the Spirit. Why? Because we can't do this one on our own, folks. Trust me. I've tried and failed miserably for years. 
We cannot understand true generosity without the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. Ultimately, we know, and we've said this throughout the past several weeks, we are not able to do this without Jesus. As his salvation comes in, he renews us, he restores us. And what's the result? We bear fruit, right? Good fruit, and generosity is just one such fruit. But if we're honest, we know that generosity is not something that comes to us naturally. How many, anybody have kids? Anybody ever just watched kids? Anybody ever like seen kids at a distance? You put a toy in the middle of a pack of kids, know it's not gonna happen? They're not gonna share that toy. Never, not one time. You might get like one little child that's kind of meek. It's like, here, you can. But the rest, it's like a pack of dogs and a three-legged cat. They're getting that toy. Most of us, I know this is true for me, first word, one of them, mine. That's mine. I had an older sister. I had to set boundaries early. Kept taking all my stuff. That's my toy. As humans, we just don't share. We hoard. We covet, right? Linus has got that security blanket, man. He's holding on to it. We like to control things. That's just who we are. Scripture, however, paints an entirely different picture. An entirely different picture. The thing I love about the Bible is that it corrects me. The thing I hate about the Bible is that it corrects me. There is sometimes this, this, this dichotomy that as I read through the Bible, I'm like, man, that is so challenging. Man, that corrects me. Man, that's great. And then there's other times when I read through the Bible and I go, I can't do that. And you know what? I can't. On my own, in my flesh, I cannot live those things out. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're able. Jesus comes into our life. We are saved. We are changed into new people. If we get the order wrong, it's to our detriment. Actually, from experience, I know. We'll just walk around feeling guilty a lot because we can't actually do these things outside of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's see what Scripture has to say. If you have your Bible or your Bible app with you, feel free to turn with me to our passage today, which is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. I know they'll throw up a prompt as well for the Bible app, and you can click onto the Bible app, call up New Life Christian Ministries. The notes are there. The fill-in-the-blanks are filled in, so you're like me. You're never going to fill them in, actually. If you're my wife, you're a little disappointed. She likes those blanks. But uh, those notes will be there before you, and we'll look at that scripture here. But before we do that, let's pray. Father God, we thank you, we praise you for this opportunity to gather here this, today, this weekend. Father God, it is such an honor to be in your presence, even virtually. God, I just ask and pray that as we look into your scripture, as we look into the word in the Bible, Father God, we pray that you would reveal yourself to us, that you would change us and transform us into your image. It's in your name. Amen. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19 says this, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, They'll be storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. 
Now, we're going to take this passage and we're going to break it down a little bit. That's where I wish I had a turntable, break it down. But uh, we're going to break it down. We're going to look at it here in little chunks and we're going to see what God has for us today. Now, verse 17, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Wow. Is that a timely passage? Huh? Now, I'll be honest, that'd be a hard one during a normal time. Don't know if you're aware, but we're in the new normal. I would love to tell you, I've coined that phrase like 18 months, 24 months ago, so I kind of feel bad that they've stolen my phrase. But the new normal shows us a couple of things, and if we've learned anything in the new normal, it's that money is unreliable, very unreliable, right? Fortunes, lost, gone. Jobs, gone. Think about that. Stock market crashes. The economy tanks. There's a global pandemic. How many planned for that? I didn't. I thought that that was like one of those worst case scenarios that they showed on the History Channel, but it wasn't ever actually going to happen, but it did. Money, very unreliable. It comes, it goes, it's here, and then it's gone. And the thing is that for most of us, it's bigger than we are. It's way outside of our control. We can't control these things. I can't control a global pandemic. How many of us during the midst of this have felt a little helpless? Anybody felt hopeless? A friend of mine asked me, Hey, how much did you lose in your retirement account? And I did something I know I shouldn't. I was a financial advisor. I know you shouldn't do it. But I looked. Man, I shouldn't have looked. Money is unreliable. Here at New Life, we speak often about being generous with our time, our talent, our treasure, and our touch. And I'm not sure about you, but for my family and I, we've been on a bit of a roller coaster these past few weeks. Time? I don't know what day it is. Is it Monday? Is it Friday? Why are my kids still here? What day is it? Talent? I don't know what to do. We get honed in on something, and then it shifts, and then it pivots, and then it's green, and then it's red, and now it's purple. I don't know. We've been working so hard as a staff here at New Life to try to stay engaged in the midst of this crazy culture where everything just keeps changing. Talent? We're just trying to get through some of this stuff. Treasure, here, gone. I have family, friends, laid off, lost their jobs. Some, fr some folks, close friends, even ourselves, we're working from home. People have lost savings. It's been hard. Touch, listen, glad to do the touch part. As long as we're six feet apart, you're wearing a mask and got your gloves on. Would love to, you know, no, it's just great. We're living in this time that honestly, never could have predicted. I am so grateful for my relationship with Jesus at times like this because I know that myself and so many of us, we have just pressed into him during this time. We've just pressed into him. Honestly, these past few weeks, past several weeks, I've relied on Jesus perhaps more than I ever have in my entire life because as the waves keep coming, right? You guys, have you felt the waves? Anybody felt the waves? I know I felt the waves. I've said, God, I need you in the midst of this. I've looked into his word. I found great comfort in the scripture, in the Bible, 
Verse 17 is just such a word. God who gives richly, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Boy, the end of verse 17, so comfort giving. God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Man, that was a word that I needed to hear repeatedly because what's true for money is true for all of our resource. God grants that. He gives it to us. It's at our disposal, and it's really a matter of perspective. Verse 17 makes this really clear. God gives it, right? God gives the resource. And that's our take-home point for today. The one point I hope that we'll take with us and that we'll live out this week, and it quite simply is this. Everything we have, everything we have is a gift from God. Everything. Everything. I'll say it one more time. Everything we have is a gift from God. Pastor Chris says repetition is the mother of learning. So everything we have is a gift from God. We're pretty clear here at New Life that we're stewards. We're not owners. Okay? So before sin entered the world and screwed everything up, we have a little glimpse of that. First part of the Bible, book of Genesis, we see what's happening in the Garden of Eden. That's what God intended. And then it takes like, I don't know, 60 verses, and we screw the whole thing up. But for a, like a split second, we had a good thing going, right? And in the beginning of creation, God does this thing where he creates this incredible, incredible garden, and he invites us as humanity to partner with him, to reign with him. Here's what it looks like. Genesis 1, 28 to 31, it says this. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. That's all of them, in case you're interested. All of them. We had it all. Then God said, look, I've given you, given. I give it to you. It's a gift. Every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I've given you every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the small animals, the ones that scurry along the ground. We don't like those ones as much, but back then they were really cool. Everything that has life, and that is what happened. And then God looked over it, and he made it, and he saw that it was really very good. That's how it was intended to be. God's the owner. We're the stewards. We get to take care of this incredible, amazing thing, and then sin into the world, and it broke it, and now we don't get it. Now we hoard and now we covet. But what that means is that in the beginning, the way that it was intended, and it's being reinforced here in our passage today, is quite simply that we manage his resource when it comes to time and talent and treasure and touch. We get to do this on a daily basis, pandemic or not. We get to do this on a daily basis, pandemic or not. I was actually reflecting on this. I wasn't reflecting on it. That's a lie. I was in my quiet time the other day, and God brought this to my mind, and then I began to reflect on it. And he just really spoke to me about what it meant for him to have blessed us as a family. And I actually wrote something out in my journal, and I thought, that's, that's really helpful. And so I posted it on Facebook, which is really part of the new normal, because I typically don't do the Facebook, right? But now, because of our current pandemic and what we're going through, we're trying to engage. We're trying to be helpful. And so I posted something on Facebook, and I actually thought it would be helpful to share with you today. And it quite simply is this. Some hope in the midst of all of this. 
couple of years ago, we were able to purchase a piece of property, property adjoining our little farm. When we, say, when we signed the sale agreement, the Lord brought to mind Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 12. Write that down. You can look it up later, but the long and short of it is God gave the Israelites a lot of stuff that they didn't work for. And that's how I felt, as the previous owners had done a tremendous amount of work to the land and added some pretty sweet outbuildings. Guys, if you like garages, I got a garage. I was pretty stoked. One thought led to another, and Matthew 7, 11 came to mind. And I was reminded my father, my father is the giver of good gifts. As I pondered my response to this tremendous blessing, Genesis 1 and 2 sprang to mind where in the perfection of Eden, God's plan was for us to co-reign with him, and we would get, get to steward his creation. So it's a sunny day in April, and for the most part, we haven't left this property in well over a month. Now we're going on two, three. My kids played in the creek yesterday, a welcome reprieve from being cooped up indoors. I get to mow today, get to mow and work on some of those outbuildings, and mow, and mow, and mow, and mow some more. I get to fulfill the stewardship part of the gift today. And all the while, hmm, I'll be reflecting on a good father who gives good gifts and who loves me more than life itself. And I need that today. And I needed that that day. And I've needed it every day since. A good God, a good Father, who gives good gifts and loves me more than life itself. And I got to go mow that day and take care of the gift that he had blessed my family and I with. Once the Holy Spirit helps us to reorient our resource, we begin to see God's resource in a completely different way. It's all His. It's all His, and we get to manage it. So what that means practically is that instead of asking God how much of His resource He wants, we instead say, God, how much of your resource do we need in order to live? You see the switch? I don't ask God what He wants. I ask God what he would allow for us to use for our ability to live. Verse 18 shows us what we're to do. It says this, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. As Christians, we're called to be people of open hands. That's how we're called. We're called to be people of open hands. We hold on very loosely to the resource that God has gifted to us, ready to respond whenever he prompts. To remind me of this, because I need to be reminded of this darn near every day, I whisper a simple prayer when I get up in the morning. Hi, God. Good morning. Today is your day, and I am your servant. Use me as you wish to do what you want with your resource, amen. And then I go and take a shower. Because outside of that, I covet, I hoard, I try to keep it for myself. 
Had an opportunity earlier this year to take a team of dear friends on a mission trip to Myanmar. It seems like a million years ago, but really it was late February, early March, and we went on an incredible trip to, to Myanmar. And yeah, some of you are thinking, you went to Asia then? Yeah, we did, we did. And we had a wonderful time. And on the way back, it began to dawn on me just how big this pandemic may be when we landed in Incheon Airport, which is located in Seoul, South Korea. Now, if you've never been to Incheon Airport, you gotta go. It's like the nicest mall you've ever been to. It's just incredible. They have like four string quartets playing in the middle of the airport, just for you to you know, watch and hang out. I love Incheon Airport. It's in like my top five places to go. And it's great if you have a long layover. But anyways, we get to Incheon Airport, we're landing, and I'm like, I get to go to Incheon. And I'm always excited. We were a little tired. It's the end of a trip, but I'm always looking forward to Incheon. And we walk in, and it's a ghost town. Nothing. I actually said to some guys on our trip, man, you could chuck a baseball down the hall here and not hit anybody. And I thought, this could kind of be a big deal. We got home to Pittsburgh. I said to my wife, Leslie, hey, honey, um, good news, we're fine. Uh, here's the deal. This could kind of be a big thing, and we need to be ready because there are going to be friends or those that we know who are going to be in need. That's not just financial need. That's in any kind of need, and we need to be ready and willing to respond generously. In the days and weeks since, my family has had an opportunity to be generous, but not just my family. I've seen Actually, the, the whole of new life be generous in a tremendously, tremendous amount of ways, different ways. Just, it's, I sound like Donald Trump, tremendous ways. Thank you. We got some real laughter in the crowd on that one. And so, yeah, it's tremendous, the things that people have been doing. And so, as we've had this opportunity, I've just seen our lead team respond in incredible ways with opportunity, and we say one of our core values is to be generous, and we've been able to do that. Not only that, I've seen people do incredible things. I actually saw what I can only describe as like a black market deal happen in New Life's parking lot the other day over elastic. Whoever thought elastic would be such a hot commodity? But these ladies are taking this elastic, sweet little ladies are taking this elastic and hoarding it because they're making face masks. So you can put your face mask on and, and keep people safe. And I've just seen so many ways that our church family has responded. We get to be generous with God's resource, pandemic or not. As always, God doesn't prompt us just so he can have us running around like crazy. He always has a reason for these things. There's always a result to our action. And I actually think the best verse has been saved for last where we talk about the result, and verse 19 says this, by doing this, they will be storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Whereas money is unreliable, generosity builds a strong, enduring foundation that will carry us into the future. Did you get that? Generosity builds a strong and enduring foundation that will carry us into the future. And did you see what they said there at the end? What the Apostle Paul said to his young steward Timothy at the end, that they may experience true life. Huh, I'd like to experience true life. I used to worry about resource every day. 
every day. Anybody else have those little voices go off in their head? You know, the ones like, now, the financial ones came a lot more frequently, if I'm honest, like, you don't have enough money, you need to work harder. But really, time, talent, touch, those all came. Time, you don't have enough time to do this. You can't make ends meet. You can't do these things. Talent, you're not good enough. You don't have what it takes. Anybody else have those little voices in their head? Do you know what those voices are called? Bondage. Bondage. They're tools of the enemy meant to keep us shackled so that we would covet and hoard. True life is the life lived in generosity where we order our resource according to God's will and God's plan. We're generous. He provides. Now, this isn't to suggest that it's easy. We often say here at New Life, it's simple, not easy. But I'll tell you this, as I've lived it out, the stress, the bondage, that's gone. Simply because God is in control of the resource, I just have to steward it. Now, what I'm about to tell you, I've actually done a handful of times since I started to live out what I believe is a generous lifestyle a few years ago. I'll see the storm coming. We're all familiar with the storm, right? The storm's coming, and the storm could be, listen, you can't make ends meet, or you're not good enough, or it's any of those little voices, right? But we see the storm coming. And as the storm approaches, I oftentimes will have this conversation with God. Lord, you've called us to be generous with your resource. I believe we've done so faithfully. You're not surprised by this. In fact, you knew it was coming. Your word says you'll supply, and honestly, I believe you led us into this. And then this is my favorite part. God, you brought me here. I can't see a way out. I'm not entirely sure what to do, so you take care of it. You take care of it. You brought me here. You help me work it through, because I can't. I'm not entirely sure where to go from here. Now, a couple caveats in the, midst, in the midst of this. The first thing is to search my heart. Have I, in fact, been generous? Or am I hoarding? I have to do a little bit of an internal diagnostic. I have to search my heart. And I usually do that in the context of prayer. Lord, am I being generous? The second thing is we're called to be steward, stewards. And I have to ask God, have I been stewarding your resources well? Time, talent, treasure, and touch. Time's a big one for me. Have I been wasting your time? Sometimes I have. Sometimes I've been wasting other things. And so I, I bear the consequences for that. And God is gracious. He's a good father. He walks that through. But there have been a handful of times where I know that we have been faithful, we have been generous, and we have been stewarding well. And there is the storm still coming. And I go, God, I can't stop it. Thankfully, I serve a God who does control the wind and the waves. It's in that moment that I put it before him, and I ask my dad to help me, because I can't carry this one on my own. And we and he pick it up and carry it in his infinite love. God shows up. The situation doesn't change. We need to hear this. The situation oftentimes does not change. The one carrying it does. I don't have the weight anymore. 
If he's brought me here, if he's brought you here, if he's brought us here, then he knows what to do. Pastor Chris often says, he didn't bring us this far to leave us in the ditch. That's been really helpful to hear a couple of times in my life because we need him to show us. The crazy thing about generosity, friends, quite simply, is this. Generosity oftentimes has very little to do with stuff. Generosity has everything to do with control because we try to control and we attempt to control what we don't trust. And it's when we get into that cycle that we get into real trouble. When God's in control, we trust him to manage what we cannot. And we ask him to help us through that. True generosity springs forth from that understanding. True generosity springs forth from the understanding that he's the one that gives the good gifts. We steward it well. And when the storms come, He'd better carry it, otherwise we're going to be in for a heck of a ride. And so we have to let go of those things. Now, as I stated at the outset, if Jesus is not the Lord and Savior of your life, then none of this actually makes sense. Because until Jesus comes in and is our Savior and Lord, we don't understand what it means fully to be generous. And if the Holy Spirit isn't leading in our lives, if if we're not being guided and prompted by him, we're probably more frustrated than anything because we just don't understand or we can't quite wrap our heads around what it means to be generous. And we try, but we fail. I've been in both of those boats. But here's the good news. It doesn't have to be that way. Why? Because Jesus could become your Savior and Lord today. Savior means he saves us from sin and death. Lord means he's the owner. He gets to tell us what to do. And so, in order for Jesus to be the Savior and Lord of your life, you simply acknowledge those things, and your next step would be to take a first step into a relationship with Jesus. If, for some reason, it's hard and you don't understand what it means to be led and guided by the Holy Spirit, that's fine. It's been a lifetime for me, and I'm still wrapping my head around that. But Pastor Chris, last week, gave an incredible message on that. I would highly encourage you to go back and revisit it, where he outlines living in the Spirit. As we do these things, we'll be living out our next step for today, which quite simply is this. I will let the Spirit decide how much of God's resource I need to support my lifestyle this week. I'll let the Spirit decide how much of God's resource I need to support my lifestyle this week. As we awake every morning, would you join with me and ask God what he wants us to do, how he would have us manage his resource. Let's let the Spirit lead and guide our lives. Let's give him the control, and let's experience true life, a life that is free and generous. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity we've had today to gather before you as your people. Father God, I ask and pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would minister to each and every one of our hearts, and God, that you would do so in such a way, Father, that we would love and serve you today and every day in the future, living out true generosity as only you can do in and through us. 
We thank you and praise you. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.